The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And we absolutely live in a world that needs light, right? We live in a world that needs light. And so many times now we can sort of look at the world and sort of we can complain about how bad it is. Right? It's like what we do on social media. We look and we're like, oh, these people are so bad and these people are so good. Or we look at social media and then we're like, man, people are really bad. And then it starts to drag us down and we can kind of get ourselves into a slump because we can get depressed about how bad things are. But the question we should ask ourselves is, okay, so if there's this darkness around us, what are we doing to be a light that shines in that darkness? What are we doing to bring light into the darkness? Like how even in small ways can we be a light in the darkness? In the darkness of the water cooler conversations at work. Or how can I be a light in the darkness of my family reunion? Or how can I be a light in the darkness of some community meeting that you go to? Or on your street? How can we be a light in the darkness? And in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we can see how he went about doing that. You know, he goes into Corinth And Corinth was a port city. And at the time that St. Paul went there, in this port city, there's lots of transient kind of traffic, right? Like lots of people that come in and they leave. And lots of times scripture scholars will compare it to sort of the Las Vegas of the ancient world. So whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. And then St. Paul shows up there, and so he shows up in this kind of dark culture where it's just sort of full of sin and 
And what does he do? He's a really smart person. And he could go in there and start making a philosophical argument about why what they're doing is bad and that there's a better way to be. He could start debating people about whether or not God exists, or he could start debating people about morality. But he himself says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I have resolved that when I was with you in this dark world, the only thing I resolved to know was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Which means that as St. Paul is looking at all of the sinners around him in this dark place, the thing he's drawn into contemplating is the fact that Jesus Christ died for these people. Not to think about how bad they are or what they're doing is wrong and they're ruining culture or anything like that, but that Jesus Christ died for these people. I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom. Like he chooses not to enter into those kind of debates. When he was in Athens, he went to the Areopagus, which is where all the philosophers went to debate each other, and he started debating them and convincing them that there actually was this one God that was over all the other gods. But in Corinth, he doesn't do that. Instead, he says, it's with a demonstration of spirit and power. And so he merely wants to bear witness to Jesus Christ and him crucified. With a demonstration of spirit and power. To bring about conversion in others because they're able to see what has happened in Paul himself. To start healing people. And in this world of darkness, the witness that he gives to them in order to bring about conversion in their hearts is this witness of the power of God. And we know in St. Paul that he was never afraid of talking to people about the power of God in his own life and demonstrating to them, this is what this person Jesus did for me. And so in his other letters, like to the Galatians, he starts to tell his conversion story. I was once a great persecutor of sinners. And when I was on my way to go and bring back Christians in chains, this person, Jesus Christ, appeared to me and he said to me, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he struck me blind. And then one of the very people I was going to carry back in chains came and opened my eyes. And from that moment on, I went about proclaiming the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ.
When we go back to the gospel reading, our Lord says to his disciples, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. And that light must shine before others. And the light that shines most radiantly in the current culture that we live in is the light of the power of God as he's worked in our own lives. The power of God as he's worked in our own lives. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we allow that light to shine? Like, how often do we tell people our own story of how Jesus entered into our life and changed everything? Or how often do we even step back to contemplate that? Do we know our own story of how Jesus entered into our life and changed everything? Because the world that we live in will listen more readily to experience and personal witness than to a philosophical argument or an apologetic. You know, recently I was talking to a friend of mine who's struggling in his priesthood and, um, and he, he found out about me. He calls me. He's struggling in his priesthood. We're talking. And he's got all of this intellectual argumentation about to explain why he's struggling in his priesthood. And, and so I had a choice. Like, I can either, okay, I can either start to counter-argue him and quote lots of church documents and things like that and try to, like, show him where his, like, thinking is flawed. Or... I can try this. And so I just tried this. I said, well, when I was struggling in my priesthood, this is what was going on with me, and this is what helped. And Jesus kind of like, this is what I had to learn about our Lord. And then he was like, oh, really? Tell me more about that. Because he needed to see a light. No, he needed to see a light. And these things happen to us all the time. You know, I talk to lots of Catholic couples who struggle with natural family planning. Like, they don't know, like, can I actually live out my vocation and do natural family planning? And they might talk to somebody at some Bible study, and they're like, well, natural family planning is what we have to do because you can never separate the unitive and procreative end of the marital act, and it's what God wants, and we have to be obedient to his will. And, and then they leave that conversation, they're just like, well, that didn't really help me very much. And then they might talk to somebody else who's like, oh my gosh, let me tell you, like that was like the hardest thing in my life. And sometimes I just really was frustrated. And like I had to really grow in my conversion about natural family planning. Oh, okay, like let me hear more about that. Because if I can see that somebody was a sinner and Jesus came into their life and changed everything, well then I have hope. Right? I have hope. Because that's where our light shines the most brightly. Our light shines brightest when we can say things like that. When you're talking to somebody about they don't agree with the church's teaching on anything. Like they don't believe in the Eucharist, that Jesus is in the Eucharist. 
Have you ever started the conversation with, yeah, there was a time in my life I didn't really believe that either. Let me tell you how that changed for me. Then they're more likely to listen to us. Because that story is always a story of our own conversion. It's a witness to the power of God in our lives. And so how good are we at explaining that to people? When your kids or your family members are away from the church and they don't want to practice religion, are you willing to tell them about the time when you were away from the church and you didn't want to practice religion? So that you can tell them how our Lord entered in and changed you about it. But so often we're afraid of telling those stories. We're afraid that somebody's going to find out we weren't always perfect. You know, our story is kind of like, well, I've just always known, and it was great, and why is it so hard for you? Because it's obvious. And people turn off, because we're no longer a light in the darkness. Being a light in the darkness is allowing that transformative power of Christ to shine through our lives. And each and every one of us has a before Jesus and an after Jesus story about our lives. We have a before Jesus and after Jesus story about different parts of our life. Different aspects of our life where our Lord's calling us to conversion. And when we tell the before Jesus and after Jesus story, it's then that our light shines brightest. And those people in darkness around us truly see that there's a different way to live. There's a different way to be. It's possible to have joy. It's possible to be happy. It's possible to be faithful in love. To feel that I belong somewhere. These are the deepest desires in our hearts and in the hearts of the people around us. And it is Jesus who wants to answer those desires in our hearts. And so today let us pray that our Lord will continue to enlighten us about the ways that he's changed our lives. And that we come to a greater knowledge of our own story with him. That we come to greater healing within our own story with him. And that we will be unafraid of proclaiming that story of being a city that's set on a hill, a light that shines in the darkness, of being Christ in the midst of a world that is in such need of his grace, his love, and his mercy.